All of it is supported by Missouri, makers of handcrafted jewelry that's made to last. Looking for the perfect Mother's Day present? Missouri has you covered. Get free shipping on all orders in the U.S. and Canada, plus a two-year warranty. Head to Missouri.com slash all of it or use code all of it for 10% off your first order. That's M-E-J-U-R-I dot com slash all of it. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. This is all of it. What a difference a year makes. This time last year, we had a great conversation with rising superstar chef Kwame Anawachi. His restaurant, Kith and Kin, in Washington, D.C., got a Michelin star, and he had a new restaurant coming to New York planned for 2020. And of course, he'd recently released this memoir. But this year, he is fighting for his restaurant to stay alive and fighting for others by being a vocal advocate for rent relief for independent restaurants during the pandemic. Kwame is a James Beard Award winner. He was also named Food and Wine's Best New Chef of 2019, Esquire's 2019 North American Chef of the Year, and he made Forbes 30 Under 30 and was just on Time's 100's Next List. Now, hailing from the Bronx, Kwame has come a long way from selling candy on the New York City subway to raise money for his first catering business to running his acclaimed restaurant, Kith and Kin. He has lived a lot of life in his just under three decades on the planet. I spoke with Kwame about his memoir, Notes from a Young Black Chef, which was released in paperback yesterday and has been optioned by the film production company A24. During our conversation last spring, Kwame Anawaji delved into his culinary expertise and his past, detailing the time he was sent to live with his grandfather in Nigeria, as well as his experiences starting out in the industry. I began by asking him about his mother, after whom he named his first restaurant, the Shaw Bijou. Uh, my mother is uh, an amazing woman. You know, she's loving. Uh, she is short. <laughs> she uh, is a Creole woman, so she has fair skin. Mm-hmm. Um, she doesn't she, take any nonsense. She doesn't take any nonsense. She is a force to be reckoned with mm-hmm. in the kitchen and someone that leads by example. You are very, very honest and candid about your father. Mm-hmm. As warm and wonderful as your father, your mother was in your life, your father, you, you detailed that he was verbally and sometimes physically abusive and you, you didn't have a good relationship. Why did you think that was important to include in this story of your life? Well, it's my story. Yeah. It's important to include, you know, the aspects of it. Mm-hmm. I think when you do, you relate to people in a way um, that is different. And if, if, you, if you just put like the Cinderella story, that's like everything was nice, you know, I had an amazing time when I was a child. And then my dad I was kind of bad and keep going. Like, you just gloss going. over it? Yeah, yeah, because then that raises a lot of questions. But I think openly talking about it, and it also made sense for me when I'm describing, you know, later points in my life, how they're correlated and mm-hmm. how sometimes things that happen to you when you're younger, they come back um, and affect you when you're older. So. At one point in the book, you were you were a very smart kid. You got to gifted and talented programs, but you were mischievous. Let's mm-hmm. call it mischievous. Yeah. <laughs> and your mom realized that you needed some straightening out. Mm-hmm. What need? And she and she sends you to live with your grandfather in Nigeria. What did you s- need straightening out? Now that you're an adult and you look back on it, what was going on? I think I just needed to be cultured. You know, I, I needed some. I needed to. Sh- I was fortunate enough to have an outlet to show me what I have to appreciate here in America, like cold water, mm-hmm. you know, electricity, um, things that we take for granted. 
And it was, I needed that, you know, I don't think I came back from Nigeria as like a kid who's had a revelation. No, I went back to my teenage years. I was still a nightmare, you know, <laughs> I was still an American teenager. Um, but as I got older, I really started to appreciate and understand, you know, what I went through. Do you have lessons from that time that you still think back to today? Um, yeah, I mean, I remember craving like chicken wings and it was like, if I wanted, you know, an eight piece chicken wings, I had to kill four chickens. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Uh -huh. Like, and that's a real realization. You know, it's like we had to kill these chickens and I took care of my job was to clean the kitchen coop. So I took care of these chickens. I named all of them. When we had to kill a chicken, it was a I was affected by it, you know, so I would never dare Mm -hmm. eat a eight eight piece wing because that would be goofy that'd be red that'd be james you right. know like these are these are people <laughs> these are my friends <laughs> um but you know all jokes aside it shaped me into uh, who i am as a chef today because i appreciate where this food comes from you know when mm -hmm. a chicken is cooked that's a real that's a an existing animal you know that needs to be taken care of and honored my guest is Kwame Anawachi. The name of his book is Notes from a Young Black Chef. So you've had all this really great success. Congratulations on your James Beard Thank you. nomination. But you talk about in the book a lot. It's really, I, I was really struck with how candid you are about how you really had tough times. And there's this one part, you're watching Barack Obama mm -hmm. become president of the United States. And you wrote, I had never felt so alone or so rootless. I was hungover, strung out, and depressed. When I looked at what my life had become and who I had become, I felt total estrangement. How old were you at the time? And will you share with our listeners what you were doing then? I was 18 years old. I was selling drugs in order to make ends meet. Um, I actually started to do it so I could pay for my tuition. It's funny now that weed is legal everywhere. <laughs> but, you know, when I was 18, it was not. Yeah. And, um, you know, um, I was just in a bad place. You know, I wasn't on the path that my parents set me on. You know, I had derailed completely. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I, to myself, I was unrecognizable, not physically, but mentally. What was the thing that shook you, that just made you realize this can go one way or this can go another way? Um, it was, <laughs> well, it's something I didn't talk about in the book, honestly. Um, so there was a moment when I was, so in the book, you'll see I, I got expelled from school. Mm -hmm. um, I was allowed to finish out the semester, um, but I, I had to stay off campus. So I would commute back to campus to go to classes. And I was known in that area as someone that was like dealing a lot of drugs. And the police, like, I, I'm pretty sure I had a picture up somewhere in some room with mm -hmm. a pin on my, on my head or something. Um, so when I got to campus, the police were there and they spotted me and they were like, what are you doing here? And um, I was like, I'm going to class. They're like, you, we know you're, you're expelled. And I was like, no, I'm still enrolled in classes. They threw me against the wall, searched me. Luckily, I didn't have anything on me, but I was supposed to. I just grabbed the wrong jacket. And um, in that moment, I was like, man, if I had had this on me, I, I would have been, I would have went to jail. You know, like here's, that's a real eye-opening moment. And then... You know, I had that party, which you'll see in the in the book. Mm -hmm. And then the day, the next day, I see Barack Obama walking across that stage. I was like, he can do anything. You know, I, I th 
in my time, I never thought I would see a black president. You know, my 55 years ago was when segregation ended in restaurants. Mm-hmm. My mother's 54 years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I just never thought I would see that. So when he was running for president, I was like, yeah, oh, he's getting close. That's cool. You know, oh, people are voting for him. That's cool. Like, no one's ever going to let that happen. And then it happened. I was like, well, why can't I do anything that I put my mind to? So I stopped. I gave away everything that I had. I flushed everything else down the toilet. You said, yeah, you flushed down a lot lot of money down the toilet. (laughs) I literally flushed it down the toilet. Um, And I got a one-way ticket to Louisiana to try to find myself again. And it's interesting. You found your sort of appreciation what food can mean to people when you were working mm-hmm. on a it, it was a ship right yeah it was a ship yeah and you were working with somebody who didn't really care about the food it was just like throwing food at people but you realized if you really cooked something delicious and that felt like their home you could really yeah. get into somebody's heart and soul yeah Leah Chase says everyone can cook as long as you put a little love in it mm-hmm. and I think that that testament is very 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 true it's like I didn't really know what I was doing I would not call myself a chef at that point in time, even though I had the title of the boat. Um, but I just cared about every aspect. If I was making a seasoning, if I was seasoning something, I would make the seasoning. Mm-hmm. You know, if I was making chicken, I would sear it first before braising it to get as much flavor as I could in it. And the good thing about that is I had a connection with them. My mother's Creole, and these these You're in Louisiana, these, right? yeah, these guys were from you know home of Louisiana. So mm-hmm. the same things that they grew up eating in Louisiana were the same things that I grew up eating in the South Bronx. So we had this connection and I put a lot of love into that food. And um, I connected with those with those people. It was an inter- it was an epiphany you had. So the one thing I love about this book and I love about you is that you hustled for what you have. You yeah. hustled hard. And the idea that you were selling candy on the subway mm-hmm. to try to fund your first catering business. Yeah. <laughs> What was your spiel? Because we see it was, excuse me, ladies and gentlemen, um, I hope you're having a good day. I'm selling candy in order to start a business and pay off my student loans. Uh, If you're interested, I have Butterfingers, Nutter Butters, Oreos, Teddy Grahams, (laughs) gum, honey roasted cashews, honey roasted peanuts. Um, How how much money? What was the most money someone gave you? $10. They just gave it to me. And people just wanted to help you yeah they just wanted to help me um and then the the kids when they got out of school that was like the best best crowd <laughs> really oh <laughs> yeah. that's so cool because they had a dollar to spare so in the course of your career you had you've had some great successes you had a restaurant that just couldn't quite make it in dc <laughs> it had a really it was a high, little engine yeah a high price point just like yeah. all the things that can go wrong kind of did go wrong and now you have Kith and Kent. What did you learn from that experience that you think has helped you make this restaurant successful? Pick better partners. Yeah. More importantly. I mean, I opened Kith and Kent months after, you know, the Shabiju closed. And I just picked different group of people. You know, you definitely bring a lot of different. Um, every experience teaches you something, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but I would say for a young entrepreneur or someone going into business, the thing that I would say is make sure you, you choose a partner that um, you would essentially marry because it's a marriage and you can't just walk away. You know, you have to work at it. It's tough. And you have to care about each other. You have to care about each other. That needs to be the underlying, uh, you know, uh, emotion. That's where the foundation of of it, right? Yeah. So you've written a couple pieces about how important it is to have inclusion Mm -hmm. in in the culinary field. We've got about a minute and a half left. Mm -hmm. 
What does that mean to you? When I, someone says inclusion, what does that mean? What does that look like in your field? Representation. At all levels, behind the scenes, money, mm-hmm. kitchen, front. Absolutely. It starts with food editors. It starts uh-huh. with food critics. It starts with writers. It starts with um, investors. It's, it's consulting, design. Um, it, the food is the last part, you know? It's all the stuff that happens before and after that. That plate hits the table that we need to start exploring. And I know they're out there. We just need to start seeking them out. It's a really great memoir. Notes from a young black chef, Kwame Anawache. Congratulations on your success. Thank you. All of it is supported by Majuri, makers of handcrafted, ethically sourced jewelry for every day that's made to last. Looking for the perfect Mother's Day present? Majuri has taken the guesswork out of gifting, offering everything from dainty 14K solid gold pieces to pearls, diamonds, gemstones, and more. Make it personal with an engraving, or if you can't decide, check out their curated gift guide. Let them take care of the rest, gift wrapping included. Get free shipping on all orders in the U.S. and Canada, plus easy returns and a two-year warranty. Head to Missouri.com slash all of it or use code all of it for 10% off your first order. That's M-E-J-U-R-I dot com slash all of it.